the, the practice of, of the yoga is really giving you some tools to help you with the daily life. And, and we all know that there's so much challenge nowadays and so much stress. People have difficulty to handle it. So when you integrate this kind of practice, it really makes a difference because it gives you an altitude that changes your altitude. Hello and welcome to It's a Journey podcast. How are you healing today? Your host, Stephanie Naidu, welcomes guests from different parts of the globe with professional expertise in health and holistic wellness. Holistic means physical, emotional, social and spiritual well-being. So what do all of our guests have in common? It's their dedication to help us with our healing journey and personal development. Let's dive into this new episode with our special guest and explore the answers in order to continue our personal journey's exploration towards healing and self-love. From France, Christine has been drawn to Asia since her youth, when she studied Mandarin, Thai and Burmese. After her studies, Christine started a professional life in associative projects between Europe and Asia before going into corporate life, where she worked 10 years in career management. She lived in Thailand for four years and moved in 1999 to Singapore, which she now calls home. Christine started teaching Kundalini Yoga in 2003 and created a company, Inner Keys, in 2005. She is trained in Thai and Chinese acupressure and Ayurvedic massage. She is a certified body talk system practitioner specializing in Kundalini energy management and a Kundalini Yoga Level 1 professional trainer operating in Asia. In addition to being a gong player, Christine is trained in Yin Yoga and Lafar Yoga. She is studying Tibetan medicine and is involved in the spiritual practices of Tibetan doctors and healers. Our latest discovery is fascia therapy. In this 19th episode, I will be talking to Christine about Kundalini Yoga. Our topic today is let your vital energy flow with Kundalini Yoga. Hello, Christine. Welcome to my podcast. It's a journey and such a pleasure to have you today. Um, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for having me. Um, so I would like to start this conversation with you and uh, I would like you to tell me um, about your journey and how you became a certified um, Kudalini yoga teacher and a professional trainer. Well, it started in Thailand where I was living maybe 25 years ago and uh, I started with uh, Hatha yoga and at that time when you were interested in yoga, I mean it was probably the only type of yoga you would go to and and I was going every week and starting from the base and after a few months I would say it would be like a three hours session and I enjoyed it but there was somehow something missing to it to the practice and a few years later when I was uh, introduced to Kundalini Yoga that really created like you know uh, an evidence and after one class, I was like, I want the book of the teacher. I, I need this practice. That's what I was looking for. And, you know, the, the we will talk about it later, right? But the, the, the meditation aspect to it is really what felt that was missing. 
in the purely physical one that I had before. So it was useful. And I think when we start our journey, it's always good to work on the body and focus on it. And even even with a, with the Kundalini Yoga at the beginning, it was a very physical practice. Um, but still, there's always this meditative part, which helped to balance, in fact, the, the physical practice. And that's really what was, um, yeah, what was missing for me in the in the other type of practice. So I signed up and uh, I became instructor. And in fact, my plan was never to teach. It was just mm-hmm. to have that tools and to think that, OK, it's, it's for my comfort, for my personal practice. Wherever I go, I'm going to be independent and I'd be able to have this practice. And then our trainer uh, said, you know, I live in U.S. I come few, you know, few times a year to, to support the community, build it up. And I need help. I need trainers with me. So, in fact, we were a group of young teachers and uh, he asked us to help him to go into the training. And so we were somehow cornered and and well, we took the opportunity. And uh, yeah, so I would say it. it it was by accident, but uh, mm. somehow it was uh, it was beautiful, and uh, and yeah, and uh, well, twenty years later, I'm still there, <laughs> teaching mm-hmm. and, uh, and training people. Mm, and, you wonderful. know, we always have this saying that when when you want to learn about something, to teach it, in fact, is the way for you to go deeper into into the knowledge and the understanding. Mm. And and you are originally from France, and you mentioned Thailand. Was yoga at this time bringing something in particular? Were you looking for something in particular in your life? I guess what is very funny, I can recall that when I was still a student in France and we would see some interviews, you know, about yoga, and I would see those people with a, a head upside down, right? Uh, I was like, oh, they're crazy. You know, I had no notion of what, what yoga was, right? And I guess, yeah, it's just when you're ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in Thailand, I started to get trained in, in massage, in fact, at that time, and get more interested in in, in this kind of work, meditation. And uh, yeah, and the yoga just came on my, on my way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So if we focus now um, um, on Kundalini Yoga, the, the word Kundalini means coin snake. So can you introduce us to the practice of Kundalini Yoga? Yes. Yeah, so in fact, there's another way to look at it. It's also uh, the curl of the hair, right? The coil. Mm-hmm. And so there, which look like a snake. And, and what is considered is like it's a dormant energy that we all have. It's not totally dormant because it's like life force itself. So we always need a little bit of it. But the way it will activate in the body and go up, right, mm-hmm. uh, is, I would say, up to our destiny, whether it's going to uh, evolve or not. And um, what is interesting is even from other practices, uh, what I was told and observed is that the practice of our school uh, is probably one of the best practice to help us prepare if the kundalini energy is going to rise in our body and if it starts to rise to be able to harness that force so that's one of the yeah so how how do you feel when it rises like how what is what's happening From when you all what, because yeah, when, the, what from all what we can read and and in fact not People don't necessarily share uh, about w- with this awakening, you know, 
uh, it's something very, very personal. And from all the books I could see and experience of people around me, everyone is going to experience it in a different way. Because when it starts to rise, it creates heat, it creates a lot of energy. And if some people had a life where they drink a lot, you know, uh, they didn't have a very uh, balanced lifestyle, um, the activation is going to be much more rocky, Mm. much more... uh, yeah, much more strong on the physical mm. aspect. If people are already having a very sadvic lifestyle, it's going to be very smooth. Mm. Okay. Um, so you are you are a professional trainer and you are also a teacher. And what I've noticed is that um, often the uh, yoga practitioners they wear a white, sometimes colored turban on their head. So what is it for? Well, the, the turban itself, the dastar, is usually can be like a four or five meter long, uh, even longer uh, uh, at times. And so it goes several rounds around the head. Mm-hmm. And what it does, it holds the bones of the head together. And in fact, it say that it's um, it's helping with concentration, with calmness. And when you see the, the the Sikh practitioners, right? I mean, in our our master was a Sikh, and that's why he say that he brought some of the aspect of his personal practice uh, into into this yoga. And uh, one of them was with that. And it's not necessarily always a turban that we have to wear; it's just head cover, because when you have strong meditation practice, you can have headache oh. if you don't cover mm-hmm. your head. And in fact, you will specify at time. It's okay for this specific meditation, please cover your head. And when we have the early morning practice as well, we are asked to cover the head. So it's not mandatory. It's not all the time, mm-hmm. but it's at times. And mm-hmm. in fact, it's also protecting you because when you when you meditate, it creates an energy and you can hold, hold it longer if you protect your, your crown chakra. Mm, okay, so you referred a little bit to him, but I'd like to know more. Um, who is this person who started Kundalini Yoga? Well, to start before him, we have to mm-hmm. to know that Kundalini is not a brand name. So when you talk about Kundalini itself, well, that's this energy that we all have in our in our in ourselves. But it's also a, a yoga practice. It's also mm-hmm. a practice that you can find if you go online. Uh, you will find a lot of different type of Kundalini yoga per se. Okay. Uh, when I first arrived in Singapore, I was looking on it and I ended up sitting with uh, elderly Indian people who were doing a lot of breathing exercise and they called it Kundalini yoga. And I met when I was in India people who were teaching, practicing Kundalini yoga, but it was a different practice as well. Mm-hmm. So for us, we have to specify that it's the school that has been created by Yogi Bhajan. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he was an Indian and he, he came to U.S. in the 60s and he created uh, his school. Mm-hmm. And now it's all over the world. Yeah, this practice. And it's true that the way um, he built it up, it was with, you know, there's, we can recognize some uh, Hatha posture in it. And of course, he brought... Uh, part of his personal religious practice in that with the language of the Gurmukhi, which is the sacred language of the Sikh. So all the mantra that we practice are in Gurmukhi. They are not in Sanskrit. 
And he said, a lot of other language works, of course, uh, a lot of the mantra, but he said, I'm just using what I know from my personal practice. So that's mm -hmm. what he shared with us. And there's something quite interesting with uh, uh, in, in the Sikh tradition. They, they really have a, developed a science of the sound current. And that's truly something quite specific uh, that he brought to the mm -hmm. practice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, during our, um, our Kundalini Yoga group class, you led us through a specific set. Um, so tune in, pranayam, warm up, kriya, relaxation, and meditation. Could you please um, tell us more about each sequence and their benefits? So we start with a tuning. And the tuning mm -hmm. is like, you know, when you go into the parking, into the cinema, you have your ticket, your entrance. So somehow we build an energetic bubble. And that comes with that starting mantra and the mantra uh, is Om Namo Guru Dev Namo and this mantra what is beautiful it it just ha it just helps you to connect with the higher self and it's what it say that you're bowing to to that energy uh, to to your own capacity to raise yourself to higher level of consciousness and it's beautiful when say Om Namo Guru Guru is the darkness who is the light so the Guru is the teacher mm -hmm. but it's the one that bring you from darkness to light from ignorance to knowledge and here what is beautiful is you're calling upon the guru within you you don't mm -hmm. go to any guru outside right and me as a teacher i bow to that guru within me but i also bow to the teachings itself so to the whole uh, uh line i would say of mm -hmm. teaching and then the teaching flows through me and then from one person to another one right so then, um, well, that's the first part, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the tuning, right? Yes, so we create yes. a little bubble, and then we will have warm ups, pranayam. So usually it can be one or the others, right? Or to most of the time together, because in fact that's probably one of the specificity. When we have asanas, postures, uh, we most of the time either have some mudra going with it or we can have some specific pranayama so it's not necessarily only at the beginning but usually we we tend to have a, to have a, a first set which is really focusing on the breathing because that's that's the basic you know uh, life is just what's happening between two breaths when you think about it first breath last breath mm -hmm. and whatever happens to you in your life the first thing that is affected is a breath so it's very important to understand the breathing and most of the time we take it for granted. We don't know how, how it works uh, and we don't realize how it is affected by the people around us, the event, um, whatever happened to us, right? The first thing that will be affected is the breath. So that's why we, we really encourage uh, this kind of practice. And usually it's so boring that we hardly do it on ourselves. So the idea is really to bring it you know, in the class and then it will help you to develop your stamina. And that's one of the beauty of it is it will be useful for you in your daily life. It's just like you go to your class and you're out of the class. It's another world, right? No, whatever you're going to learn and develop in the class is going to be useful for you. Mm. So the breathing aspect will help you to have more stamina. Uh, if you run, if you swim, if you chant, right? And then, of course, we'll have some warm-ups, especially in cold countries. So this same is going to be adapted uh, and adjusted to, to to the needs of people or i would say to the to the uh, their level of flexibility 
And then we will have Kriyas, which are set, sets which are engineered with asana written in a certain order for specific purpose. And, and the beauty of Kundalini Yoga is that we have hundreds of sets, which mm. means that the format of each class can be completely different. Some classes, you're going to maybe use your arms more, your legs more, uh, lying down, standing, jumping. And we have even a little bit of cardio, not so much, uh, but there's big variety. So you can at times address specific um, body parts or specific uh, systems uh, of the anatomy, specific functions, right? So you want to work uh, on the liver, you want to work on emotions, right? So there's a, there, we can really focus uh, on, on what are the specific needs of the student if needed. And then there's a race, of course, the relaxation, which is almost as important as a set, because when you have a physical set, you are going to stimulate specific type of circulation of energy within the body. And that's the first part to initiate uh, that that uh, that circulation within. And the second part is to allow the body to integrate what you develop and what you have activated. And that's where the relaxation is really important. Mm. And of course, for us, um, somehow everything starts at that moment when we can sit for meditation. And in fact, all the physical practice that we have is meant for you to be able to sit and meditate. Mm. Okay. And that's why our classes tend to last a little bit longer because when you have to bring all those different sequences, you need the time, right? Yeah. Mm. Can you tell me the benefits associated for um, um, each um, part? Or you can, you can, if this is more uh, relevant, pick the most like important part, or and then and then tell me the benefits. Well, the 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 pranayama, as I was saying, right, helps you to develop your stamina. Okay, uh, the physical part is going to work on the different circulation, on activating some of the body functions. Uh, it's going to work on your flexibility as well. And the meditation is what's going to help to balance body-mind. Mm. Okay. Um, so uh, I was wondering, why should we close our eyes when practicing Kundalini Yoga? Well, at times you will be asked uh, to open your eyes uh, for very specific exercise. But the idea most of the time is to, to look within, not to compare yourself to others, not to look at you in, in the mirror. And so that's why we don't like rooms with mirrors, because it's going to attract your attention, right? Mm. The idea is really to look inside. Mm. Yeah, I, I like the what you say about comparing to others, because I've attended like um, yoga classes. And when we have our eyes open, we're like, oh, am I doing right? And let's see this person, how this person is, is doing and I'm not. And so, yeah. yeah that's, and that's and we are point. in that in this comparative and competitive mm -hmm. mode, which is just, yeah, not what we want. Mm. And the is when you close your eyes, you're going to be also more tuned in to what's happening inside. So it will give more depth to the experience you're having. Absolutely, like the both both is true. Absolutely. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit more about um, you and and your work. So this year you are involved in the 2023 European Yoga Festival. 
in the overall organization. How's um, Kundalini Yoga is getting um, ground worldwide? So it started in the, in the 60s when Yogi Bhajan went to US. So he created a community and he started a festival. Um, and it started almost at the same time uh, in Europe. In Europe, it's, it was started by mainly Germans and Dutch. And they like to come to France uh, in summer. And so that's where I'm lucky because so it's uh, not far from my from my house as well. And um, and so every year there will be those 10 days where people come from everywhere to meet and to and to practice. And along the yoga practice, there's also a very specific uh, type of meditation that we call white tantric yoga. And usually there will be three full days in those two festivals in US and uh, and in France. Mm -hmm. So overall, all over the world, you will have local, national uh, festivals, but usually the most that they have is only one day of, uh, of this white tantric yoga, which is really a very, very specific type of uh, meditative practice that goes really deep in the psyche and can really clear a lot of things. Um, so that's why those two festivals are the highlight, I would say, usually in the year of uh, Kundalini yogis, and they always try to join at least one of them. Uh, mm -hmm. So for the last few years, uh, everything was stopped, right, uh, with the COVID event. But uh, we restarted last year, and in fact, we started in France in a, in a new environment, which is near Paris now. So mm -hmm. easier for a number of people to join. It's a camping experience. Uh, but some people can still have some room if they want mm -hmm. and uh, adjust to this kind of life, right? We start very early in the morning, around 4 a.m. with morning practice. And then throughout the day, you have access to uh, different type of classes, teachings, chanting. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. And it's really, usually for all of us, it's really a support uh, in our personal practice because mm -hmm. it really gives you that energy and what is amazing is this for me last year for example i was very busy with with the work with the organization so i couldn't join so many classes and still just to be in the environment uh i was glowing at the at the end of the week even i was very tired uh and even i didn't have so many practice but just to be surrounded by so much energy was amazing it was still feeding me even wow. if i practice that much that's unbelievable. Um, and um, what is the month or, or the dates for, for this festival? Usually the US one is uh, at the summer solstice. So it's it's end of June. And uh, the European one will be end of uh, July, beginning August. Okay, super. Um, I'd like to now talk about um, something a bit more sensitive, is a common belief. Um, Colin believed that um, Kundalini Yoga is a dangerous practice. And you were talking just a little bit at the beginning of the interview about, uh, you know, like, you know, if you don't have a healthy lifestyle, things that can happen. So tell me more about, um, like, you know, uh, what we uh, can understand by dangerous yeah, yeah, I heard so huh? when I when I started, and I was uh, not worried, but uh, I was wondering why uh, there is such a reputation. And in fact, uh, well, Yogi Bhajan always say in the set, there's always a time indication, and he asks for all those specific exercises. Just do the time that I have written, and you won't have any problem. Mm. It's just if you overdo, 
that uh, you can take risk. And in fact, the biggest risk is to have sort of a pathological rising of your Kundalini energy. It's mean, if you take drugs, if you have emotional shock, this can happen. And then it's difficult to manage it, right? Mm. But if you just do, you know, you don't ask yourself questions, right? The, in fact, the idea when we talk about the rising of Kundalini, it's, it's mainly the rising of your consciousness. It's not so much the physical symptom of it. That, and we don't necessarily focus on it. When people call me and say, oh, how many days before my Kundalini rise? I say, well, you, you knock at the wrong door, buddy, because it's, it, the idea is to rise your consciousness. Those symptoms will happen if they have to happen. But it's not our focus at all. Mm. And you know, you were you were saying that oh, um, if we uh, do it like uh, excessively, isn't it like everything else? Like if I eat too much of like sugar, yeah, that's not going to be good for, for my health for sure. Exactly. Um, even even if I exercise too much, it can be bad for my health. Yes. So mm, okay, noted. Um, so my my last question for for you before we we close this um, conversation, this interview is about your personal daily practice. So if you have one, don't have one, what what is it? Yeah, that's part. Uh, we call we call it the sadhana, and this is the the big sadhana, which is the group practice that usually we have very early morning uh, in our school. Uh, and then there's the personal practice, so the little sadhana, I would say. And this one, you don't have to do it necessarily uh, at 4 a.m., although that's a specific time where everything is more quiet and you can go deeper into your meditation, right? You won't have people coming in, barging in the room or telephone ringing, etc. So that's, and, and well, it's say that, you know, before sunrise, there's a very specific energy mm. uh, that allows you to, to go deeper into your practice. This said, um, yeah, like everything, you know, uh, if you if you if you are uh, an athlete, you need to practice every day. If you uh, whatever you do in life, right? If you don't practice, you lose it. Mm. Uh, and if you want to to be supported in your life, in fact, uh, you need this kind of practice. And that's what makes the difference nowadays uh, when, as, when I see all the people from my school, all the students, uh, the, the, the practice of, of the yoga is really giving you some tools to help you with the daily life. And, and we all know that there's so much challenge nowadays and so much stress. People have difficulty to handle it. So when you integrate this kind of practice, it really makes a difference because it gives you an altitude that changes your altitude and mm. help you to be in a flow, be able to develop a sensitivity so that when wind blows, you don't face the wind. You just, you know, when there's no wind, you know that you have to wait. And when it's blowing, it's time to be active and to move and to have the wind in your back, right, to support you. So it's a whole, in fact, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's not only a practice. And you need to practice every day, definitely. So I, I, I practice a uh, different type of meditation and we also have not challenge, but yeah, we, we, we know that when we practice for a certain length of time, there will be specific effect. And uh, one of the classic practice is to do something and to have a practice for 41 days. And then we have the 90 days. So we have like different number of days of practice. And if you miss one, you have to restart. 
And in fact, the whole exercise is really pushing you, right, to to be very organized with your days and to make the time for it. So it's it's just to be able to do your practice on a daily basis is is already working on you, right? And then you add the effect of a specific practice, breathing mantra that you are you are bringing in. But just to and for me that was the biggest challenge at the beginning. My first practice was maybe three minutes, and I had to constantly restart it because I would forget it because I had so many uh, different activities in my life. So it's just to be able to integrate it, and it starts yeah with few minutes, and then of course you develop with time. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. It's uh, yeah, it's really uh, really interesting. Um, thank you so much, Christine, for being with us today. Um, thank you, thank you. It was very interesting. Um, I love this conversation with you. Thank you so much. And thank you. It's always a pleasure to share. And uh, yeah, for the people, you have nothing to lose, right? Just be curious. It's just like the there's so many menus and food to try. It's exactly what it is, right? It's just have the curiosity to try. And it might not be something that you feel connected to at the moment you try it, but the day you will need it, you will come back to it for sure. And you'll know it's there. So that's what I always encourage people, just try. You can learn more about Christine on Facebook at Inner Keys, on LinkedIn at Christine Plow, or on our website, www.innerkeys.com. If you didn't have time to write everything down or if you have any doubts regarding the spelling, no worries. All the links are listed in the description section on our YouTube channel at Ujivati. Thank you to all our listeners and see you very soon for more on healing, self-love and your personal journey. Thank you for listening and for taking time for yourself. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast Share this episode with others on social media or leave a rating and a review. To catch the latest from Ujvati, follow us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at Ujvati. Thanks again and see you on the next episode.